everybody, welcome to episode 9 of Katie's Corner, presented by Godzilla Media and sponsored by good friends over at Mohawk Honda in Scotia, Glenville. I know you're not used to seeing my face or a guest's face or any other face usually, but we're trying something a little different now that baseball has gotten into full swing in the non-high school sense here for the summer in the Capital District. And one of the teams that's going to be involved with the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League is the team I do PA announcing for. And this gentleman joining me is also a part of it as well, the Amsterdam Mohawks. Matt Zumbelow, graduate from Fonda Fultonville High School, the Braves. Matt, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. I'm pretty good. Excited to be here. Excited to get this PGCBL season started. All right, awesome. Glad to have you on. First off, let's just kind of go back in time to, you know, you as a little as a little kid. You know, like, what, when did baseball come into your the picture? Did you play? Were you just an avid fan? What What was the deal with that? Baseball has been uh, my life. It's the best way to put it. I mean, I would say like six years old, I started playing t-ball. I played forever. I mean, playing days, I went. Played Little League up until sixth grade. Started playing travel, I think, in fifth grade. And then seventh grade, I was playing modified as well. So I'm playing all these different things. Then got up through – keep playing, kept playing travel. I was playing JV and then played varsity my last two years, last two years of high school. Um, and then fandom as well. I mean, I've been a Yankees fan as long as I know. Diehard Yankees fan. I mean, the 2009 World Series is one of my, like, earliest, very, like, vivid memories was watching that that ground ball out to end that game. I mean, yeah, baseball is it's been there forever and I hope that it it will be there forever. I'm going to ask a generic baseball question before I get into asking you a Yankees question. Um because when I was growing up it was still a very old school mentality growing up through the 90s and the approach to baseball very old school and you look at the way sports have evolved over the last we'll say 10 15 years and a lot of people say that baseball has fallen behind that evolution particularly involves like technology social media things of the sort as a fan of your age do you kind of get that sense do you have that certain feel to it um and what ways do you think Major League Baseball specifically, not just the sport, but Major League Baseball specifically could capitalize on the generation of fans they have coming through now and what they can do to connect the sport to them? Uh, I've seen this, like, so much. I mean, I just have always loved the sport, so it puts me into a position that I don't really ever see myself. There's not much that the MLB or the sport – there's not much that could happen or – things people could do to make me like find myself not watching baseball or not caring about baseball anymore. Um, but a lot of my friends that didn't play growing up, weren't like massive fans. They don't like watching baseball. Like I can sit down and watch a baseball game. And there's a lot of people who won't sit down and watch a game. With me. Like they don't want to watch an entire game, especially on TV. Um, but I think that the MLB is starting to find the right things to do to grow the game again i mean you've got these young players like fernando tatis shohei otani they're capitalizing on these guys as much as they possibly can everything that they post is these guys who kids love kids love watching tatis get out there and 
crazy bat flips hitting bomb home runs. And then Otani who's hitting bomb home runs and then pitching, which is something we haven't seen ever. I've never seen somebody like him in my lifetime. Neither have you. Nobody really has since Babe Ruth. So they're doing a really good job of capitalizing on these guys and using social media and the growth of the internet to, to really improve that. And I think that the more they do it, the better this, the better it's going to be for the game and bringing the game back to where it was in the past. So as a fellow Yankees fan, I'm going to tee this up for you. Um, Team started off hot, kind of cooled off a little bit the last week or two, but still maintaining good leverage against the rest of the division. Uh, one of the best records in baseball, yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows the, the, the story. But obviously, the real big storyline is Aaron Judge. Do you think the franchise could be at a point where they regret not finding an agreement at some point before the end of spring training or... Because I feel like I feel like uh, even with the little bit of cooling off period he's had, he's still batting around 300, and he's still, you know, top two in in homers and RBIs and extra base hits. Like he's having a stellar season, MVP type season. They think Yankees might be having a little bit of regret for not getting a deal done when they could still get him at a slight discount, or because I feel like Judge has all the momentum and all the leverage at this point. Now. Yeah, I I mean I sure hope they're regretting it. He he's playing out of his mind, and I knew he was going to do this as soon as they like. I was expecting a good season out of him, out of him this year, regardless. I mean, he's Aaron Judge; you have to expect that out of him. But as soon as they didn't agree to something, I was like, "There is no way that he does not put up the best season of his career." And that's given that his rookie season he hit fifty two homers. I mean, it's really hard. I I can kind of no wrong way, right over there. There's my judge, my little judge shrine. I've got like a little poster picture type thing up there and then my jersey hangs up all the time he's my favorite player right now um he's probably my almost my second favorite yankee i've ever seen compared to jeter um and and that's like the perfect way to to get into this that he is the closest thing we've seen to jeter i'm shocked that they did not pay him whatever they want and then give call him the captain because that's if i was in charge i would have done that forever ago i think that he deserves that they're definitely regretting it right now and if they don't Hopefully they'll have still they're still talking about it and they're having some talks during the season. But I'm getting a little nervous. The closer we get through the season, I'm obviously really excited for what could happen this year with this Yankees team. But getting a little nervous for Judge, what's going to happen after the season? Now getting back to focusing on you, you're you're finishing up at Fonda Fultonville, and you obviously had your you had to make a decision about college and everything, and. You know, like a lot of people looking into sports broadcasting, Syracuse, obviously a, a top near the top of the list school that I think people would look into at least. You know, when you look at that long line of broadcast success with all the people that have come out of that school, most recently, just to just to throw out a name there, um, Ian Eagle's son, for example, is doing a lot of great work since coming out of Syracuse. Was that really the 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 be all end all school you were looking at when you were thinking about college? Were there other choices lurking around there for you? Um. Well, so going into school, I was like not really one hundred percent sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get into the sports industry somehow. There was a lot of places where I was applying to uh, to be a sport management major, which I was I was like, okay, I can find something cool there. I've always wanted to be in a front office somewhere. I always thought that could be a cool a cool spot to be. Um, 
But I got to Syracuse. I've always been a Syracuse fan. I mean, it's an hour and a half away. It's the closest Division One school. I've loved Syracuse basketball for so long. And um, so I knew I wanted to go there. I've wanted to go there since I was like 10 years old. I was, But strictly because of who they were. They were Syracuse. It would be so cool to go there. I'd been to the campus a bunch of times. Um, so I went around. I was applying to schools. I didn't really apply to any other super big power five conference schools other than Syracuse. Um, UMass Amherst was probably my next in line. It was either that or then maybe staying, going to community college and being able to play baseball and probably golf as, as well um, for a couple more years, which after COVID turns out that that was the right decision to stay away from that because I wouldn't have had any seasons um, playing Juco ball. So when Syracuse came around, I, I hadn't even by the time. So Syracuse applications usually come out pretty late and I had not. I had not visited another school. I was like so confused. I'm like, I, I think I have to get into Syracuse <laughs> or else I don't know what I'm going to do. So when I applied sports broadcasting, knowing the school it was, I was like, I can definitely find some career there. If I go to Newhouse, Newhouse is going to be, it's going to immediately give me an edge to getting a job in the future. And I got that acceptance letter and it was just, it was over through then. And I've had the best three years of my life there. It's been Awesome. I met some of my best friends I think I, I'll ever meet. So no regrets whatsoever. Yeah. And you've, uh, this is now going to be your third season that you're entering with the Mohawks as we're recording this on Wednesday, June 1st. So this, the season, the home season opener is this coming Saturday against Saugerties, which we won't talk about that squad. We'll just say their name and move on. Um, what attracted you to wanting to work with the Mohawks going back a couple years, um, back to when you first started with them? What was like, how did that all work out? How did like, did you end up reaching out to the GM Brian Spagnola or what happened there? Yeah. So I, uh, I wasn't really sure after that was, this would have been my first year was the summer of 2020, which, um, I knew I wanted to do something. Uh, I didn't want to go too far, but I was just, Finishing my, I was in my freshman year when I started to reach out to people about the summer of 2020. Um, so I wasn't really, I really had no idea what I wanted to do yet. I just wanted to get some experience in the field of journalism and media. And I figured that if I um, reached out to whoever I could, I reached out to some of the radio stations locally. None of that ended up working out. And then I've been going to Mohawks games all my life. I mean, it's one town over from where I grew up. So it's, been the best baseball i've seen locally and really is the best baseball locally that you can see um so i reached out yeah i reached out to uh to brian and he allowed me to come on and work with the broadcast i worked with brad klein who pretty much has headlined and started this broadcast that i'm sure some people have seen on facebook live um for mohawks home games and i worked with brad that summer it was a shortened season because of COVID, but we still got some games in. We broadcasted them all. We had a lot of fans come on, actually, since we really couldn't have anybody at Shuttleworth Park watching. So um, we had a lot of people tuning in to our, to our streams, and I got a lot of experience through that and and uh, stuck with that the next year as well. And now I moved on, and I'm taking a little bit of a step up, I would say, taking on a little bit more responsibility, doing a lot of social media work, and um, – whatever else is really needed. So I've loved, loved my work with the Mohawks. I couldn't really ever ask for anything else. I've had the best opportunities, I think, 
I could have had in a lot of other places. Yeah, I mean, when your options are basically you can drive all the way to Albany, all the way to Utica, or just take a ride down Route 5, I'd say the option C is probably a little better on your gas mileage right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, let's get into that because you, you just referred to the, a little bit of a change in dynamic for you this year. Um, the last two seasons, obviously, we were heavily involved with the live broadcast of the games. Um, setting up and taking out equipment for that, so on and so forth. But now you're evolving into uh, a position on the staff where you're now going to be the social media coordinator for the Mohawks. Um, Two-part question here on that. A, how do you feel about stepping away or at least stepping back um, in a way from doing the actual live broadcast? And B, just kind of explain like how you feel this role could have evolved for you over the course of the season coming up. So I had a lot of fun doing uh, play-by-play and being part of the broadcast team, but I think I spent the two seasons doing it and I've started to realize that I don't think that's where I want to take my career. So I've had two really good years of experience with it. I have, I have things to show for it. And as all of the broadcasts are saved. Um, And if I ever wanted to go back that route, I'd have the opportunity to, but I uh, took a class at Syracuse this year. That was very uh, it was literally called sports social media content and how to how to make it, how to work on different programs and good strategies for that. So I and I loved that class and I thought, wow, this could really be something that I that I would love to do in the future. So I, I talked to Brian and we were able to work something out for me to be able to take a step towards that. And it's going to start off with a lot of uh, I'm doing a lot of things with the sponsors working. um making some some things to promote them work coming with us and coming together double kind of double promotion I guess you could say but I will also be trying to make a, doing a lot of content with the games itself like highlights of highlights putting them together being able to make some cool like I guess hype videos things like that things that can enhance my skill and can be good for uh, fans to see um, that they'll see things about the team that they really would never have seen before. So I think there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of different things that I'll be able to do. And I'm sure as the season goes, more things are going to come up here and there. And I'm really excited for the way it's going to go. Now, real quick, before I let you go, uh, cause you know, we've got to know each other, you know, we're friends, you know, we've, uh, you know, we're friends on Facebook too. That's the important thing. I'll be Facebook official <laughs> with your friendships, I guess these days, but, uh, I saw that you have a, a little podcast of your own. Is this true? You do? You still doing a, a baseball podcast at all, or that's something that's kind of going on the back burner recently? It's been kind of going on the back burner recently. Yeah, I mean, it's been hard. I mean, so many different things come up for my roommate and I. We tried to work on it as much as we could, but yeah, we stayed, we've kind of fell apart with it. All right, hey, I just wanted to, you know, make sure I'm not. You know, introducing the, uh, the the next level of competition for me. That's all. That's all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, so uh, Saturday, June 4th, this coming Saturday, if you're uh, listening to us when this goes live, uh, yeah, Socrates, 635 first pitch. I always like to put 635 in air quotes because we, we love our long pregame intros and I, you know, it's 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 great entertainment. I, I love the the 
the the drama we put into it. But uh, oh, yeah, it's good. It's gonna be good work with you again. I'm sure I'll have you on over the course of the season numerous times. Yeah. We can always trash the Dutchman and the Stallions another time. But in the <laughs> in the meantime, uh, Matt Zumbolo, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, I'll see you on Saturday, man. Yeah, thank you. Can't wait to get started. See you then. Awesome. awesome. Uh, Matt Zumbolo, yeah, he's uh. Rocket and rolling. He's going to be with the Amsterdam Mohawks for the uh, for this season, his third season. And that should be good. Again, you know, if you want more information on the Mohawks, by the way, AmsterdamMohawks.com. Um, you can always follow us on uh, Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, just search for Amsterdam Mohawks. And, yeah, it's going to be a great season. Regular season runs throughout June and July. If and when they make the playoffs, it usually takes place in the first week or two of August. So it's a very condensed season, but they're going at it almost every single night of June and July. Roughly about 25 to 30 home games, I believe, on the sli- on the, on the slate. Let's talk English, Brian. Um, and you can catch all the information at AmsterdamMohawks.com or follow them on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Shuttleworth Park is the spot to be this summer. 635 first pitch every single game at Shuttleworth Park. That all being said, let me just switch on over real quick before we touch on Major League Baseball. Let's talk about our good friends over at Mohawk Honda in Scotia, Glenville. Oh, yeah, it's that time of the year where they are continuing to do the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. Oh, yeah, baby. That's right. If you have a used vehicle you're looking to swap out and get cash for on the spot, Mohawk Honda is the place for you because with the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer, you don't have to wait three to five days for a check in the mail, no four to six business weeks, none of that jazz. You're going to get cash in hand with a check that day you bring the vehicle on the lot. Or, hey, option B, why don't you go and look into the new and certified pre-owned used vehicle inventory that Mohawk Honda has to offer, and you can trade in the vehicle. That's right. Go to MohawkHonda.com. Check out all their great inventory, the new 2022s, all the great certified pre-owned used vehicle inventory as well. They even have 2020s and 2021s on the lot for that certified pre-owned used inventory. Or you can follow Mohawk Honda on social media like Facebook and Twitter and the such. And all their sales and leasing consultants are ready to make sure you get the best value for a best bank for your buck to make sure they fit your budget and lifestyle with a vehicle that'll work for you. Mohawk Honda in Scotia Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. That all being said, we now dip right in to Major League Baseball. And this is this is a, a, a Red Sox team that continues to light it up, continues to do the work. Now, I know that they, the Red Sox suffered a brutal 2-1 to loss against the Reds last night. As we are doing this show a day early, it's coming out on a Wednesday evening instead of the usual Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon. Um, but the Red Sox, they're still doing very well. They are in a good spot there. But the problem is, is that the teams ahead of them are also still doing well themselves. So Boston's still 11 and a half back in the division, still under 500, but again, slowly creeping their way, scratching and clawing their way back towards 500. We, we've seen a case where Trevor's story is finally starting to produce at a level we expected from him as baseball fans. He's finally starting to see that average start to creep up to 220 he's got nine homers 37 ribbies now 37 ribbies by the way clearly leading the league uh, leading the uh the team and he's right up there with aaron judge among the top two or three in the american league 
Bogarts continues to do work. Devers continues to put in work. Um, J.D. Martinez still producing at an absurd level. But he, here's the thing. Now, now we get into the nitty-gritty of this. We talked about this a little bit last week. You get into a point where you have to figure out, okay, these next six weeks, are we becoming contenders or are we still pretenders and going to start selling at the deadline, which makes potentially J.D. Martinez an asset that you can trade. Xander Bogarts, who has talked about not picking up his option for 2023, he could become an asset that is a, a valuable commodity for the trade market. You got to start figuring these things out. Obviously, you're not going to figure everything out now because the trade deadline is until the end of next month. But it's something to at least kind of keep in the back of your mind. If you're a Red Sox fan, are we really going to put ourselves into contention here? Or are we just kind of setting ourselves up for disappointment and then having to go into a fire sale mode? Now, you're at a point where after tonight's game against Cincinnati, you have tomorrow off. Then you go to the West Coast, three at Oakland, four at the Angels. Oakland series... Oakland's another uh, one of those teams where, uh, because ownership isn't binding the team, neither is the fan base. So there's not a whole lot of support out there. And Oakland's a team where they they can't really seem to figure out heads or tails about themselves. Whether um, they're going to be a complete fire sale and get a you know send off Frankie Montas and other talents they might have, or what whatnot. The team is performing like it's going to be a fire sale. They're twenty and thirty two, last in the division. But again, wait and see on that a little bit more. And then the Angels. They're, they're in the mix. You know, they're 27 and 23 entering action tonight. Five back of the Houston Astros. Obviously, they have Trout. They have Otani. Ward coming out of nowhere. Jared Walsh. Um, they also have uh, Anthony Rendon sitting on the DL for the time being. So, Angels are a talented squad. And this that, to me, that Angels series next week is going to be the one series where we really find out if the Red Sox are going to start becoming contenders in the AL East and for the wild card, or if it was just a random surge in the middle of May, that's going to start fading out as they start the dog days of summer. Now, moving into the New York Mets, who um, they just can't catch a break the way things are looking right now. They are, they saw Travis Jankowski go on the IL. He had to have surgery on his hand. He's out six to eight weeks. Dom Smith's been doing so bad that he had to go back to AAA Syracuse. But the Mets just keep on plugging away as they are still the only team over 500 in the NL East. 10.5 clear of the Braves, 12.5 clear of the Phillies, 34-17, and 17, which is only a game behind the New York Yankees for the best record in New York. The Yankees have played two less games, so that's why it's a game. Um, the Yankees are 34-15. and 15, The Mets are 34-17. and 17. But again, this is a squad where Alonzo keeps on chugging along. McNeil doing it. Lindor, um, not pretty good. Pretty good. The batting average could use an uptick, but pretty good. Canha, great surprise there with the way he's been producing at 39 years, uh, excuse me, at 33 years old, batting 307, four homers, 20 ribbies. Nimmo putting in the work. Marte putting in the work. This team has really put it together and continue to try and pick up. Uh, the fact that they've lost a lot of pitching. They're still waiting for McCann to come back. Obviously, Jankowski's out probably until around the trade deadline. You still have Reed Foley. He's out for the year with Tommy John. You're waiting for Scherz. You're waiting for McGill now who's hurt. So this, is, this is a staff that's struggling right now because you have you're, – you're basically left with Bassett, Carrasco, Walker, Peterson, 
And then you're just kind of filling in the blanks, most likely with Trevor Williams until you get McGill or Scherzer back. Um, you do get good news, though, continuously about Jacob deGrom. So it sounds like it's it's possible the timeline's a little earlier than expected. It could be earlier in July, closer to the All-Star break than, than the trade deadline. Um, but again, it, that's a day-to-day, week-to-week thing. Right now, the Mets—they are—they oh, are—they're just—they're just putting in the work, man. They're just doing their thing. You know, they're taking care of business when they have to take care of business. This is a team right now that is thirty-four and seventeen overall, and they're playing just as well at, on the road as they are at home. They're eighteen and eight at City Field, sixteen and nine on the road, and it's just remarkable. They're—they're four and zero in extra inning games. Seven and seven in one run games, so there's not a huge disparity there, really. And they're just they're just doing the work. That's what it boils down to. Um, they have they are actually playing right now as we speak. As I'm recording this at two o'clock in the afternoon, they're playing as we as I speak in the the uh, series finale against the Nationals. Then a West Coast trip for ten games: four at the Dodgers, three at the Padres. Then a day off next Thursday before three at the Angels, and then coming home um, that following week from Milwaukee and Miami. So uh, this is, again, going to be a very interesting stretch for them going to the West Coast. Um, Their second West Coast trip in as many road trips. But this one is really the one where we're going to really find out the measure of this squad because we know the Dodgers are. The Dodgers are who they are. The Padres, a very interesting squad. Eric Hosmer putting in work. Tatis producing. Manny Machado's having a fantastic season. The pitching is kind of hit or miss, although Mackenzie Gore's having a real good year. The Padres are they are just a weird, weird animal in this National League you know, race, this playoff race going on, especially in the West with the Dodgers doing so well. So where do the Padres fit in is the great question. They are just three behind the Dodgers. And then you have the Angels, a team we already mentioned when talking about the Red Sox. Um, and again, just look at this Padres team. Hosmer, I already mentioned. Machado, amazing this year. Um, other than that, their offense has been kind of crappy, to be perfectly frank. Jake Cronenworth, a very disappointing start to the year, batting 210. Will Myers, very disappointing at 234. Luke Voigt, very disappointing as their full-time DH, batting 214. But... Um, you know, uh, their their pitching has done relatively well, actually. Joe Musgrove, a sub-2 ERA, 5-0. and uh, Mackenzie Gore, who I mentioned, a sub-2 ERA with a 3-1 and record. Hugh Darvish, who was really supposed to be their main ace, he's been more like a number three. He's still 4-2 and with a sub-4 ERA, but compared to Musgrove and Gore, that's an average year. Um, Taylor Rogers has been st- stupendous as the closer for this Padres squad this year. Stammen's been great out of the bullpen. Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, uh, Bill Crismont. Blake Snell has even done okay on occasion. Now imagine this team once they get Mike Clevenger back. You add Clevenger back in the rotation and shove away probably Nick Martinez crazy because then you add him and Manaya, Sean Manaya, by the way, the former A, 4 ERA, only 2 and 3, little bad luck there, but only a 4 ERA, that's serviceable for a 4 or 5 in the rotation. That'll work. 
that'll freaking work. So it is what it is there. And then finally, we get to the New York Yankees, as I was talking about uh, with, with Matt Zumbelow earlier. Um, you know, help is finally coming. Help is on the way. And the fact that um, Donaldson should be coming back off the aisle, it looks like this coming weekend, maybe, potentially. See much on Carlos Stan. They both took live batting practice on Tuesday, and they're both feeling better. Donaldson got a quarter zone shot. Stan feels like he's pretty close to returning, so it's going to be interesting to see. Do you send them to one or two rehab games, or do you plug them right back into the lineup when they are ready? Judge has cooled off a little bit, but still leading MVP candidate, still putting in the work, still mashing the ball overall as a whole, still batting right around 300. He still has, like, what is it, 22, 23 home runs, somewhere in that neighborhood, just, just destroying the ball. 34 and 15 this squad is. Um, let me look at Judge here. Batting 303 right now, 18 homers, excuse me, 38 RBI. So now he's one ahead of story after an RBI in last night's game um, at home. Rizzo, hot early. He's cooled off, but he's still there. Um, you know, it's going to be great to have Stanton back, not going to lie. But Jose Trevino, you want to talk about a diamond in the rough. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be he's going to be the next Jorge Posada or anything. Because he's already 29 years old. So I'm not going to go that far. But Trevino has been a very pleasant surprise since being allowed to take on as many games and at-bats as he's had. He's actually gotten to a point now where he's now appeared in more games and only had two less plate appearances than Kyle Higashioka, who was the presumptive number one catcher coming out of spring training. That's very interesting. Um, IKF made some brilliant plays in the field over the last few days. Matt Carpenter, welcome. I mean, sure, come on in. Um, Miguel Endohar has done brilliant in the nine games he's been in the lineup, um, batting 281, really productive there. LeMayhew, He's had good games and bad games. He's batting around 260 right now. And then this squad, when it comes to the pitching, they just they just keep on keeping on. Nobody has an ERA over three and a half. In fact, the highest ERA is Severino at 338, and he's 3-1. Tyone, 5-1. Nestor Cortez, 4-1. Jordan Montgomery finally got his first game of the year because the Yankees gave him seven runs of run support when he was on the mound for seven, or for seven innings of one-run ball. Garrett Cole, still wonderful, 4-1, a 3-12 VRA. What's intriguing, though, is how this bullpen has somehow managed to stay together, even with Chad Green going down for the year, Gill going down for the year, Loisga, 15-day DL, Chapman, 15-day DL. They're still holding it together. King, Holmes, Castro scares me, but he's been doing all right. Um, they're just they're keeping it together somehow, and they're making it work. And when you have a cushion like they have right now, where they're, I believe, five or six clear of Toronto, you can five and a half clear of Toronto, six of Tampa to be exact. You know, you figure it out. You know, the finale is tonight against the Angels at Yankee Stadium. And then the, uh, excuse me, the finale is tomorrow. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. So they played tonight against the Angels. They played tomorrow against the Angels. Then the Yankees will host three against Detroit over the weekend. Then they'll be off Monday before heading on the road to Minnesota 
for a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series next week. So there's really not a whole lot of negative to put out there when it comes to the Mets and Yankees. It's just a matter of just keep on keeping on and just hope that that help is really on the way very soon. The Mets, not so much. The Yankees, though, it's nearby. Donaldson coming soon. Stanton coming soon. I won't assume Chapman and, and Loisaga are sooner rather than later. But we'll have to wait and see when all of that happens. Um, that all being said, that's it. That wraps up another edition of Katie's Corner. Episode 9 is done. Presented by Godzilla Media. Sponsored by our friends at Mohawk Con and Scotia Glenville. Thanks again to Matt Zumbelow. All the Amsterdam Mohawks, Syracuse University, just finished his junior year there. We're coming on. That all being said, happy baseball. We'll see you next week for episode 10.